good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Discerning View radio show, which is a special series focused on the Catholic faith. Our podcasts are available on iTunes under the Organic View Radio Network, or you can simply visit our on-demand section at www.theorganicview.com to listen to previous segments. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you, so please email us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by coronatools.com, the nation's leader in garden and landscaping tools. Listeners of The Organic View can receive 20% off their coronatools.com purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. Each year, the Met Gala, which is formerly called the Costume Institute Gala, hosts an annual fundraiser which benefits the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City. It marks the grand opening of the Costume Institute's annual fashion exhibit. Each year's event celebrates the theme of that year's Costume Institute's exhibition, and the exhibition sets the tone for the formal dress of the night. The guests are expected to choose their fashion to match the theme of the exhibit. This year's theme was called Heavenly Bodies, Fashion and the Catholic Imagination, and featured vestments that were borrowed from the Vatican. Celebrities adorned garments that exploited sacramentals, such as the Holy Rosary, and distorted images, such as the Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Virgin, as well as vestments worn by religious during the celebration of the Holy Mass, etc. How should Catholics respond to this year's Met Gala, and what message does this send to young Catholics? On today's show, my guest is Mr. Mark Mallett, who is a singer, songwriter, Catholic evangelist and author is going to share his thoughts about this event. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Mark Mallett. Good afternoon, sir, and thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, good afternoon. Mark, can you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself as well as your work? Yeah, I, I've been uh, blessed to work in the Lord's Vineyard probably since, uh, oh, it would be the mid-1990s where I began uh, a praise and worship uh, ministry that... Um, that we just used the the medium of music to draw people into God's presence and and use that to evangelize them and from that the Lord just has opened other doors that I didn't expect uh, doors of writing um, uh, one day I sensed the Lord say you know begin to put your thoughts that you're writing in your journal just put them on on the internet at that time there was this new technology called a weblog or a blog hmm. and uh, so I just started doing that and I don't know how but it's this blossom to readers worldwide and um, as my spiritual director says you know go where the people are and so I find myself uh, spending 95% of my ministry now is focused online because that's just where everybody is right now. Well I can't thank you enough for a post that you recently published in response to this event. It was actually sent to me by one of my fellow parishioners and I just thought it was brilliant. You really addressed every point that so many devout Catholics have been expressing, but didn't necessarily have a venue to put all of these thoughts together. It truly was an outrage, and you just did a remarkable job. Well, I, I think um, I think everybody. I think just the, the expression, uh, the sense I get from readers, and and my own was just that really hurt, um, because the the 
to see the vestments um, uh, in that, con- I mean, the ones that the Vatican lent weren't used by these actresses or these singers and so on, but they took basically that theme and then applied it in a way that was highly sexualized. And you're taking one of the most intimate and beautiful aspects of Catholicism. It's really, it's really the boast of our faith is that Jesus Christ comes to us daily in the Mass. And in that communion with him, it's the most intimate communion we could ever have with our God. When he comes to us, we receive him physically, spiritually, body, soul, and spirit in our bodies. And this is done through the priest, who's a, who's a man like the rest of us, but yet in, endowed with the, um, so much so with uh, being united and one with Christ. We say he's in the person of Christ, in persona Christi. And so this priest is there in the person of Christ. And therefore, he's wearing these vestments that highly symbolize everything he's doing. And it comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the ancient garb that they wore. And when Jesus came, he didn't abolish that, but he, he brought it a new meaning. And that new meaning is that we share in that royal priesthood of Christ. Particular men here on earth share in the sacramental priesthood of Christ. And in so doing, we encounter Jesus who says, whoever eats my body and drinks my blood has eternal life. And so... This communion with him we have at Mass is powerful. It's life-changing. It's, it's eternal life. So to take that then and to sexualize it in that way, especially with, you know, singers that we know have mocked Our Lady, like Madonna, uh, Rihanna uses a lot of New Age and, and the occultic symbols. And for her to show up wearing a bishop's mitre and a miniskirt and... Uh, and, and for this to be taking place and for the church to be a part of it, whether the church knew about it or not, was a scandal. And, um, you know, the Vatican, I believe, came out with an article saying they, they didn't know that this was going to happen. Um, and so we, we have to give the benefit of the doubt. But nonetheless, it's a scandal. Nonetheless, it was a real uh, – it was painful for so many of us to see this most precious element of the, our Christianity – uh, taken in this way, and it was really an abomination. Uh, the words that came out were blasphemy, sacrilege, abomination, and those words are sometimes overused by people who are upset with the faith. But in this case, I don't think so. I think those words exactly describe how just about, about 99, I haven't met a Catholic actually who wasn't offended by this. Dude. I know Pierce Morgan, who I wasn't even aware is Catholic, made a comment that I thought was interesting to paraphrase what he said was basically it seems as though it's okay for this to take place as far as mocking the Catholic faith but it's not something that would be done for any other faith and oh, I can tell you right now if this was if this was an Islamic event and they had done caricatures of Muhammad or they had sexualized uh, what do you call that again the uh, the full body garment that the women wear. It's the burqa. Uh, oh, yes, the burqa. Thank you so much. If they had sexualized that, I can tell you now there would be fires burning in the Middle East, literally, if not deaths. I mean, you, you recall when uh, Pope Benedict made his comment at Regensburg, his comment about Muhammad, and it, it resulted in the deaths of some people on the other side of the planet and protests and so on. I mean, that's not the way we, we respond as Christians, but it goes to show. That, that the sensitivity that uh, Muslims have toward their faith, and they take it serious enough, that, and that's their expression. That's not ours. And I think this is why it's so easy to 
mocked Catholicism because, you know, our Lord said, turn the other cheek and pray for those who, who uh, curse you, bless those who mistreat you. But that also doesn't mean that we just roll over as Catholics and we don't defend our faith. I mean, you know, we have to recall that the one time Jesus did take up the whip, the one time that Jesus did was when he saw sacrilege in the temple of his father. And Jesus overturned those tables and said, you know, and the, the apostles recalled the scripture, zeal for my house consumed me. And I tell you, it was zeal that has consumed so many Catholics, including me. Zeal for the house of God, zeal for the Eucharist, zeal for the Holy Mass. Zeal, I just, I tell you, I'm so emotional about this because, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not, my point isn't to attack. My point here is to say we are deeply hurt and what happened is deeply offended. And if we as a church don't come out and say to the world, this is an abomination. This is not who we are. And, and, and I mean, this is a teaching opportunity. And I know Cardinal Dolan thought that this gala would be a teaching opportunity. Um, I, I'm not so sure about that, but I think what has happened after is an incredible teaching opportunity. And that's what I did in my article was to explain two things. The, the sacredness of these garments. They're not just, we, you know, like I wore a bow tie or not a tie, but a, a necktie yesterday to my daughter's grad. And uh, I did that as a custom because that's what you do at a formal event. That's not what we're doing at Mass. We're not just having a nice custom. What, what the priests are really doing is there's a high, as I explained earlier in the interview, it's, it's a highly uh, energized symbol that we're using that has a real meaning that, that uh, reflects the, the royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. And uh, as where my necktie doesn't reflect anything but a cultural fashion. Um, I mean, even the whole word fashion, talking about Catholic fashion, that's not how we Catholics refer to our habits. You know, we don't talk about our habits and our vestments as fashion. They're, they're, they're just expressions of, um, oh my gosh, I mean, here's the irony of it all, is that the habits and the vestments that the church uses are in their nature modest. They're in their very nature modest. And part of the Vatican's display at this gala was showing the habits throughout the different centuries that nuns would wear. They're by their very nature modest because um, the woman, for one thing, is, is reflecting her dignity in that modesty, that she's not an object. So that's one thing. And the second thing is that it's also a sign of her renunciation of the world. So again, for this to be taken and sexualized is the opposite of what we do. And for this, for, for the hierarchy to not, well, okay, let me speak for myself. For us as Catholics, if we don't, if we don't express something of this to uh, you know, to those around us, I, I think that we've fallen out of love with our faith. And this is what I'm gathering. I'm, I'm seeing people all over who are really expressing their love for Jesus, their love for their faith. This isn't about being rigid. It's not about being uh, stuck in traditionalism or in an age-old thing. This is, there's nothing to do with that. It has to do with our evangelization of this culture. As uh, the prophet Simeon prophesied over Jesus, he will be a sign of contradiction. And that's what the church needs to be in this hour, a sign of contradiction to the world, that as the world descends into lust, and it really is everywhere. I mean, what's happening in the West right now, particularly in America, reminds me of that scripture in Revelation of fallen Babylon that's become a haunt of demons and every unclean spirit. I mean, we're seeing lust just pervade everything, everything we're doing. And for us as a church, we need to be a sign of contradiction in the midst of this, where our young women and men 
I mean, and I'm seeing this up here in Canada. I mean, we're seeing young couples, in some instances, not kiss each other until their wedding day. And I'll tell you, that is it's such a, not everybody has to do that, but I'm saying it's such a beautiful sign of contradiction. And brides who come up wearing uh, um, appropriate attire that speaks of the dignity toward, of their virginity, of their commitment to their husband, of, of their purity and of their love for Christ. And this is the kind of sign of contradiction that uh, we need to be as a church. And, you know, I think our, well, I think our evangelization is that Pope Francis is calling the church to accompany. And this was a point in my article. He's calling us to an accompaniment with people. Many people have taken after Pope Francis, and I think they've totally misunderstood him, in part because the, the Pope has sent some confusing signals, and he has to own that. But the whole message of Pope Francis is that we accompany others, the way Jesus did Zacchaeus, right? Jesus didn't come beneath the tree of Zacchaeus and throw a catechism, catechism at him, knock him out of the tree and say, repent. He said, I want to come and dine at your house. That's all he said. And Zacchaeus was so moved by this love of Christ, this unconditional love, that he repented on the spot. And I've encountered this, too, in my ministry of evangelization, is that when we just love others, we love them with God's love. Um, and that's not, it's not compromising. It's not patting them on the head and saying, well, it's okay. If you're in mortal sin, that's fine. But it's saying that you are loved. And that's the first message of the gospel, you are loved. And when we do that, we open people's hearts then to the truth, because the truth alone will set them free. And so the Pope is calling us to this accompaniment with people. But the kind of accompaniment I think that we saw at this gala uh, is, you know, I don't know what Cardinal Dolan did. We don't know the conversations he had. And, and maybe Cardinal Dolan evangelized. Maybe Rihanna is on the process of conversion. We don't know that. But the optics of this whole thing looked, it was terrible. The optics were a mess for everyone. Um, because when we're accompanying others, uh, we're not accompanying them in sin. Jesus didn't accompany Zacchaeus along his way to rip somebody off and stand there idly while they, while they did. No, he said, I want to come be with you apart from your sin and love you and then open your heart to the message of the gospel. And that's what true accompaniment means. And I, I believe that's what the, the, the exhortation that Pope Francis, that's what he wrote, that's what he's saying is uh, first of all, we need to love people, we need to heal their wounds, which is to stop the bleeding, and then we administer the, the balm of truth. And uh, I, I just didn't, you know what, it, the optics of this whole gala just didn't come across that way. One of the things that struck me was the lack of sensitivity. I'm consecrated to Jesus through Mary twice. I have a very strong devotion to Our Lady, and I have so much love for her. Mm -hmm. especially since she suffered tremendously. She was given to us by Jesus as one of the last greatest acts of love before he died. To mock any of her suffering, it hurt, because I view her as a mother. I view her as someone that I love tremendously, and for somebody to be so insensitive to what she went through, it just broke my heart. And for celebrities right. to do that, there are no words to describe how hurtful it was. And in this day and age where pretty much anything goes, you know, at what point do we say enough is enough? At what point does someone suffering, whether it happened many, many years ago or happened yesterday, at what point is it wrong for people to cross that boundary? 
And that's kind of what we saw here, very displayed very clearly. Yeah, yes, and it, 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 there's two things here. One is that objectively speaking, as Catholics, we were deeply hurt. I, I, the image, one of the images you're referring to right now is uh, one of the actresses or, or celebrities there wore uh, basically an image of the, the Immaculate Heart of Mary being pierced by her sorrows. And this was, of course, part of the, this fanciful, you know, gaudy dress she wore. And then there were others that also appeared as the Madonna, trying to look like the Madonna, but in miniskirts and low cut. I mean, it was just so horrific. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you look at these people and you go, these are people who are in darkness and they're, they're perishing in a sense in their ignorance. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, this woman knew precisely what the seven sorrows were and what she was wearing. Uh, and she went ahead with it to, to deliberately mock her lady. It's, it's really a sad moment for that woman personally. But for all of us, regardless, as you say, it was a deep wound because we do love our lady. And she's the, she's the penultimate image of um, purity and of holiness. And most certainly our lady was blasphemed. And most certainly I would hope every member of the hierarchy and every lay person uh, in the world would say something about this, that what has now become a public scandal, we would say something about it. As I said, it's a teaching opportunity for us, and we can't miss these moments. But you're right, there's the sensitivity of all this. Um, I mean, what we're seeing is we're seeing a culture that is two things. Is one is, uh, I mean, to be honest, June, we, we see, in a sense, we see this um, kind of sacrilege in a certain way almost every day. Yes, we see we people... W- wearing a crucifix all the time is a piece of jewelry. And uh, they're kind of ignorant to that. Now, we as Christians need to take that, and we can turn that into a conversation. You know, you're sitting beside somebody on a plane and say, hey, that's a beautiful cross, crucifix you're wearing there. You know, and uh, you know what that's all about. I mean, you can, you can do that kind of thing and start a conversation with somebody and, and then start talking about the cross. Um, I mean, we have to follow in our Lord's footsteps. Uh, we need to damn, in a sense, what uh, the whole optic of what happened. We need to come out and say it was hurtful and painful and scandalous and wrong that this went forward and that we as a church were there participating in this event. This needs to be said. But the second thing is then we need to follow up. Cardinal Dolan apparently won the, the favor of many of the celebrities there. They were happy to see him there. They were surprised to see him there. Well, let's pray that Cardinal Dolan now follows up with these, these women and these men who are there and reaches out to them and just say, you know what, you know, I want to just talk to you. You know, do you, do you really know what the symbolism is of these things? I mean, if he's that in with the crowd, he was glad handling the, a lot of the actors and actresses there. They seem to be buddy-buddy. Well, let's pray that Cardinal Dolan now uses that up, and he might very well be. Let's hope so. And let's pray that the church is a little wiser when it comes to Hollywood. <laughs> I know if I saw the actress that wore the Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Mother, that, that outfit, I would have asked her, have you ever heard of the Chaplet of the Seven Sorrows? Most likely not. But if she, she hadn't, I'd invite her to listen to it, to actually understand what Our Lady went through. As I know, the first right. time that I heard it, I was in tears. It's a very, very emotional chaplet. To wear something mm-hmm. that you don't really think anything of is yeah. it's just so incredibly insensitive, so incredibly callous, and it just shows such a lack of respect for an entire 
global belief system. There are no words that can express the dismay that we have. Whatever may be the case with Cardinal Dolan, the bottom line is is that if you have a true love for Jesus, if you have a true love for Mother Mary, and you see somebody that's doing something, do you say something or do you just keep going on, caring about, and going with the flow? I know if I see something, I will say something because that's my heart. And I know thousands yeah. of other people, thousands, and I'm not talking about just devout Catholics. I actually received a number of messages, texts, calls, what have you, from a lot of friends who are not Catholic, a few friends that are atheists, a few friends that are Buddhists, um, even a friend who's Wiccan commented and said, wow, June, I'm so sorry. You know, I felt badly for you because I know what your faith is about. And to see this, you know, these are people who are not devout Catholic who expressed their disgust for what they saw. So, Yes. And so your question might be, where's the voice of the church in all of this right now? If if atheists and Wiccans are expressing a bit of outrage about this. Um, And hopefully we will in the days ahead. We'll we'll hear our, our clergy, our leaders, those who lead the church, those who are our shepherds. Uh, speaking out and using this as a as a teaching opportunity and as a, a an opportunity really ultimately to say you know this is not, our vestments are about Jesus Christ on earth and we invite you we invite you to come and observe our masses and what happens here um, but so there's a bigger context to all of this too Jim and I think this is the other thing this is part of what I write in my blog is we as a church I believe we are entering into the passion of the church that we are going to follow as the catechism says, we will follow our head through our own passion, death and resurrection and the greater picture in all of this. And this is very possible and and perhaps even likely this was a deliberate and a very willful slamming of the church and her sacraments and everything that was, is precious to the church. And that's very possible. And we might continue to see more of these blasphemous as uh, Pope Benedict said, through the sexual scandals of the church in the priesthood, uh, the, the Catholic faith is no longer credible. He said it's very hard for us now to preach the gospel because of, of the, the credibility that has been just damaged by this. And I think Piers Morgan made an excellent point when he said, I mean, here it's coming. I mean, like you're saying, this is, it's coming from people who aren't even Catholic. Um, I don't think Piers Morgan is Catholic. I'm not sure. But Piers Morgan saying, you know, this is, really insensitive given all of the scandals in the church of the priesthood uh those who've been sexually abused to see the garments now of the priesthood being used in such a sexual manner and i thought it was an excellent point uh again i i just don't understand uh i mean is it just naivety on the part of those who organized the event is it is it wait, i, I want to give them the benefit of the, the doubt jude was it just naivety that they they just thought this would be a kind of a museum display and and then celebrities would show up and just see them? I mean, it was, it was, was that what the church thought? Um, and if so, then I guess we they, they've learned the hard way about uh, the real nature of Hollywood and its attack right now on faith and family and culture. So it, it's a pretty grievous moment, isn't it, Jim? Well, I think it is, but in the same token, as Catholics, we do try to share our beliefs with others who have expressed an interest. I never force my beliefs on anybody, and my friends are very respectful. They love and accept me as I am and as I do them. 
But when I am asked about the rosary, for example, I don't just hand somebody a pair of rosary beads and say, oh, you know, it's a bunch of prayers here. Just follow what's on the sheet. I explain to them why it means so much to me, why Our Lady mm -hmm. is so important. I explain so many details because I'm trying to have that conversation. And when you take right. sacred vestments, when you take things that we hold dear to our hearts, that express our values, that express our faith, and then you mock them, you treat them like they're nothing, they're, they're just a piece of fabric, that really just diminishes everything about our faith that we hold sacred. And there has to be a point where enough is enough. The leadership has to be there. And if the leadership can't do what's called to do, then we as Catholics must do what's necessary. Because at the end of the day, when Judgment Day does come, we're all going to have to answer for it. And especially those that are given graces beyond you know, what we're given. They, they have higher expectations of what they're called to do. Well, I think this is a challenge to all of us as Catholics. Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of him before the Father. Uh, you know, Jesus is, is telling us very explicitly that we're not to be cowards when it comes to the faith. In fact, if you look flip to the back of the book of Revelation, those who end up on the wrong side of, of the, the final judgment, uh, among that list of idolaters and, and the immoral and so on, are cowards. It's a stark you know, it's very stark. It's those who are cowards. We can't be cowards at our. This is not the time to be cowards. If we're cowards, we're going to lose our faith. Um, I believe it was Servant of God, uh, Father John Hardy, who said, those who aren't ready to be martyred in this hour of the church will lose their faith altogether. And this is the great danger we're seeing right now. We can see it, that there's a compromise seeping into the church right now, where we are just kind of wanting to uh, I think please the world. We're kind of wanting just to be part of the world. And this, this is not what accompaniment means. We don't accompany the world to make them feel good. We accompany the world to bring them that light and that truth who is Jesus Christ. And that might get us crucified. It might get us persecuted. And if we, if we think that we're just going to make a bunch of friends with the world, we were grossly mistaken. Our Lord said, wherever I am, there will my servant be. And Jesus was persecuted. So, um, yeah, this is this is not a time to be cowards. We need to speak up right now about about the sacredness of of who we are as a church and our vestments and and what we're using. I mean, these celebrities, uh, I can't believe that they would be that ignorant to think that these symbols that they have seen on television, they've seen popes wearing bishops, that somehow wearing a mini skirt and incorporating a mitre into this wouldn't offend. You doggone right, she knows it would offend. And so we as a church need to respond to that, not be cowards at this hour, and speak out about who we are. And if we get persecuted, if we get our churches shut down, if we get our charitable status sold or, or taken away, then blessed are we. But I tell you right now, if we're just clinging to our charitable status because we're afraid of our collection basket, that means we've already lost our faith, too. It means we've already lost our faith that God can provide for us for the mission at hand, and that mission is, is to make disciples of all the nations. Not to make friends, but to make disciples of all the nations. And if we don't get this, if we don't understand this, June, then we as a church will disappear in North America. Just the way those first seven churches in the book of Revelation, the seven letters to those 
churches. They're no longer Christian churches. They are Muslim countries now. And so we might, you know, North America might very well lose its faith altogether. And Pope, Pope Benedict said this uh, before, when he, was, um, when he became Pope. He said that the threat of judgment hangs over, North, over the West in particular. He said that if, if we don't respond to the gospel, he says Jesus might come and take the light from our lampstand too. And uh, I tell you, all these things are a warning, June. They're a warning to the church. They're a warning to every one of us that we cannot take these things for granted. And my God, if we don't stand up with something as precious right now as the Holy Mass really that was attacked in all of this, then we have lost our faith. And Christ will come take our lampstand. And that, that's a warning. That's a loving warning because the, the Eucharist is too precious. The Mass is too sacred and too holy and too great a gift for us to allow it to be trampled under the feet of the pagans. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the bottom line is the question that should be asked by the folks that organize future events. How Christ-like is this? Because the bottom line is, is that the people that are responsible, it's not so much answering to us. It's on Judgment Day when they have to answer to the Almighty, when they have to respond and defend their choice to participate in something like that. And that's where the true judgment is going to take place. And every single one of us knows that that day is not something that we can avoid. And uh, if you've ever seen Catholics Come Home, the video that they have, that's that's kind of uh, a little scary. I, I think I know it is for me, and I know many, many people the same. But at the end of the day, how Christ-like was this event? And for anybody that, that feels that it was, uh, you know what? We need to pray for them. If I appeared on a balcony and beside me was a prostitute at a hotel, and there was a photo taken of that, and it was put on the Internet, and this was put out and said, here's Mark Mallett. He's, the, he's a, an evangelist in the Catholic Church. This is a, a prostitute uh, standing beside him. Now, what, let's just say for the, for the, for the sake of um, building a, a narrative here that my wife is actually sitting in the living room behind the balcony window doors. And we, we picked this woman up on the street. We're evangelizing. We're talking to her. Uh, we're feeding her a meal. Let's just say that's taking place. But the optics are, is that Mark Mallett's with a prostitute. And if that's the story that went out there, you better believe that both my wife and I would be clarifying this the very next morning in the media. Oh, no, this is, this is what's happening. And there's nothing happening untoward here uh, with my participation with this person being there on the balcony. This is how we Catholics feel right now. This is how I feel is we, the optics are is the Catholic Church appeared on a balcony with women in mini skirts and bulging, uh, their breasts bulging from their dresses while wearing what looked like sacred vestments. And they certainly were meant to and deliberately meant to look like Catholic vestments and Catholic sacred objects. So the church has an obligation to clear this up and to step back and say, oh, no, 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 we didn't know. And hopefully they're doing this already. Hopefully this is happening. And hopefully we can hear from the hierarchy in the days ahead here that no, 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 we, we don't condone what happened. We don't know. We didn't, we didn't bless this aspect of it. That's just a matter of, of justice that I think needs to take place here in the days ahead to, to heal this wound and to witness to the world. You know, when, let me just say in closing, um, 
to those who are listening, there's, there will be a temptation for us to lash out, especially on social media, because it's so easy for people to lash out against our cardinals, our bishops, our priests, and our pope. And if, if we're talking right now about our Blessed Mother and about how she was desecrated, and she was in this event, then let's talk about what our mother has been saying in her apparitions all over the world. And it's this, pray for your shepherds over and over. And I think now I hope that your listeners can understand why. I hope they can understand why she's been saying now for decades, pray for your shepherds. Because right now, if silence is all we're getting from the hierarchy, then there is fear. There's fear going on there. There's something wrong going on there that we wouldn't defend these most sacred aspects of our faith. And that's why we need to pray for them, not attack them, not create more division and scandal. If you need to speak to them personally, write a letter, a phone call in person, that's fine if we need to, to address certain concerns of our faith. But there's another scandal taking place. There's no mistake about it. And it's just about as scandalous as what happened at the gala. And it's Catholics who are taking to social media and taking a strip off of their bishops and their pope in such a way that it's creating scandal the scandal against our unity. So there's a way to do these things, and Jesus talked about it, that you go in person. Even Paul, when Peter was out of misstep, Paul, it says he went, I went to face to face to Peter and spoke to him to his face and corrected him and said, you're not in line with the gospel. That's how we need to do things in the church, not in the social forum. And uh, I think that's just an important point that needs to come at the end of this interview. Uh, because we can create another scandal right now by becoming this divided church that's fighting in the media, and we don't want that. We need to pray, pray, pray for our shepherds. Thank you. That's an excellent reminder. And folks, if you are Catholic, in your daily rosary, you're supposed to include an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be for the Pope's intentions. And you might mm -hmm. want to say an extra set of prayers for all the members of the clergy. They're really trying hard to lead a very difficult group because of all the challenges, the temptations, and all the things that you just mentioned. And they do need our prayers the most. And I agree with you. Going on social media and trashing them is not going to help the situation. Not to mention the fact that Amen. they're not on social media. They're, you know, there are people that manage the account. So, if you want to do something, pray. Your prayers will be heard. And if yeah. you do feel compelled to write a letter, that's something that, that you know you should be doing already. But as Mark pointed out, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And who knows? Maybe there will be some souls, some really hardened souls converted. Let's hope for the best. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Could you just take a moment and share with our audience your website, and if you have any events coming up? I do have an event coming up. It hasn't been advertised yet in California, so that's coming up. But uh, you can go to my website, which is markmallet.com, two L, two T's, uh, markmallet.com, slash blog is where you'll find my blog. It's called The Now Word. And uh, The Now Word is just addressing all the issues that are facing us every day and what is the Holy Spirit saying to us right now. To the church and that's what uh, that blog is all about trying to listen to the holy spirit and and convey that so um so that information is there and there's also you can check my events tab for anything coming in the states uh, in the future in the fall thank you so much and folks please check out the companion article which will appear 
on the Organic View Radio Network's website, which is www.theorganicview.com. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Discerning View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.